Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm joined today by my great friend, Joe Heron. And what a fascinating conversation we had about the reliability of Scripture. Can you really depend on the Word of God? Is it true? Is it infallible? Is it accurate? Well, I can't wait to share today's conversation with you from my friend Joe Heron. You're going to learn so much. Your faith is going to grow. It's going to deepen. Your faith is even going to soar after this conversation today. Are you a podcast listener? If so, then I want to invite you to subscribe to my daily podcast. It is simply called Awakened to Grace with Chad Roberts. You can subscribe. You can leave a five-star review and consider sharing it with a friend because all of the content we produce, it is intended for one great purpose. That is to help people grow daily in their spiritual lives, to grow in their walk with the Lord. Well, I'm so excited to share today's conversation with you with my friend, Joe Heron. Today, I want to welcome my good friend, Joe Heron, and I'm so excited to introduce our listening audience to Joe. Uh, Joe and I become very good friends over the past many months, and as I have enjoyed conversation after conversation with him, I knew in my heart that I wanted to bring him in for a podcast conversation. And one of the things that I appreciate about Joe is his commitment to the trustworthiness of the Word of God. Joe has taught the Word of God for many, many years. And uh, so, Joe, I want to welcome you today and uh, introduce you to our listeners. Joe, why don't you take a moment and tell us a little bit about your background, and, uh, and then we'll get into a great conversation today about the reliability of God's Word. Sounds great. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to be here on this podcast with you. I uh, was born in Birmingham, Alabama, and when I finished uh, high school, I uh, went in the military, uh, spent three years. I was uh, 1st Brigade, 101st Airborne. I spent time in uh, Vietnam, came back from there, went to work for the railroad, and after a year, I was uh, blessed enough to be in management and then spent 35 years on the railroad, uh, moved to uh, Kingsport, Tennessee, May 1st, 1985, and then retired in 2002, and then went into politics, uh, became a commissioner uh, of this uh, county, and was a commissioner for 18 years. Uh, Also taught Sunday school for 14 years. I taught uh, adults, and I was uh, very blessed to have uh, a a good bit of uh, people there that loved the Lord and wanted to uh, dive into the Word of God. And then uh, I uh, started uh, here at the church of July of last year. My wife and I have uh, very much enjoyed it. And the reason we enjoy it is because uh, you preach straight from the Word, uh, and and that's what we need is those seeds of of spirituality in our hearts so that we can grow and 
and you've got a lot of different programs here at the church. And uh, God not only called us to go to church, God called us to be His church. And one thing I like about uh, preaching Christ Church is that you guys take it to the streets, and what you say from the pulpit, you put it into action, and you have a lot of good people around you uh, that's working the fields and trying to bring people in uh, so that and have them to get saved and all because we don't have a, much longer on this earth. I think that here shortly that God's going to look at his son and says, uh, go get my children. And then it's going to be over as we know it today. And so today is the day that we need to be planting the word in people's hearts, uh, getting people reading their Bible, praying and pulling together as a family so we can make a difference to other people because it's not about uh, this church, it's not about who the pastor, our congregation, it's not about me, but it's all about Jesus Christ and that uh, serving Him and letting everybody know He is the cornerstone. Ah, I agree completely. Doesn't Scripture say we must work while it is day because the night is soon coming? Absolutely. No one can work. And now is the time to invest ourselves in the spreading of the gospel. Joe, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey. How is it that you became a Christ follower, and how long have you been following Christ? I was very blessed that when I was born, um, my mother was the treasurer of the Nazarene Church, uh, northwest side of Birmingham. She was a treasurer for 20-something years, and so uh, she made sure that when the doors of the church was open that I was there. Uh, uh, Sunday nights, uh, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, the uh, pastor uh, and his family lived about 15 miles from the church, so after uh, church on Sunday mornings, he and his wife and three kids would come to our house. My mother would have a big meal fixed, and so the pastor was like my uh, second uh, father. And so I had some good mentors around me. And one, one thing I'm very blessed to say, and I was telling somebody um, that had alcohol issues, is that my mom or dad, neither one of them ever smoked, neither one of them ever drank. I never heard either one of them ever say a bad word, and they were all uh, wanting to serve people. My dad owned a trucking company. Anytime the church needed something, he was always there taking care of it, doing things for them, and would never accept a penny from the church. And so I had some good mentors and I was saved at an early age as a teenager. I was born in the Warrior River, which is uh, uh, northwest of Birmingham. So uh, I, uh, of course, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. And, but one thing about it is that uh, the Holy Spirit is our GPS. And if we'll just uh, tune in to the Holy Spirit, they'll always get us back on the right road. And so I, uh, I've been very blessed in my life to be able to uh, teach uh, Sunday school to work in churches because that's where my heart is uh, is in serving Christ and the if I may one of the uh, things that really impacted me is my dad uh, had uh, he was an Alzheimer patient and he had a uh, he was at a nursing home outside of Birmingham and I went there one time and I, I sat down on the bed and my my dad he was a big old guy and 
uh, I looked at him. I didn't call him dad. I just looked at him and I said, do you know who I am? And my dad looked down at me and he says, I have no idea who you are. And I left there that day crying. I had tears running down my face. And I said, my earthly father looked me in the eyes and told me he did not know who I am. And I said, what a shame if my heavenly father did the same thing to me. And, I, and, and it made such an impact on me. I said, I want to be a servant. I don't care about titles. I don't care about uh, monies of life. Whatever we got all belongs to him. And what I want to do is spend the rest of my life serving other people uh, so that uh, my Heavenly Father will say someday, well done. Amen. Well, you do model that, Joe. And the time that I have had the opportunity of spending with you, I've seen Christ through you. I've seen the way that you help others. As a matter of fact, you just spoke uh, this past week for Celebrate Recovery here and some of the things that you shared, Joe, I just thought, my goodness, you know, people who are struggling, people who have hurts and habits and hangups, um, you gave them what was most substantial, and that's the love of Christ. And uh, so you do, you model that well. Well, Joe, today I want us to have a conversation talking about why Scripture is reliable. You know, many people question, can we believe the Bible? Many people, even even those who are within the church, even those who uh, come and carry Bibles to church, very often they wonder in the back of their minds, is the Bible trustworthy? Can we take something that is written by men, a collection of of books, of letters that have been penned and written by men, and is that trustworthy? Joe, let's talk a little bit about that. Why, for you, is the Bible reliable? Okay, and when you was uh, talking there, it made me think of uh, something I heard one time. It said that it would be very easy to find 10 men that would fight over the Bible, but it would be very difficult to find one man that reads the Bible daily. And we all need to uh, read and research the Bible. One of the things that uh, I look at as far as the Bible, the Bible is not just one book. It's a compiculation of 66 books. And these 66 books are written by 40 authors. And the, if you look at the Bible in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and also Aramaic. But the New Testament is written in Greek, so the Bible is in three different languages. It actually was written on three different continents. It was written in Asia, Africa, and also Europe over a span of 1,500 years. A lot of the writers didn't know each other. But the thing about uh, these 40 authors that wrote these 66 books, that nowhere in any of the uh, books did they contradict uh, each other. And, and I, I like to say, if you take all 66 books, and if they were a jigsaw puzzle, they would all interlock together and interlock perfect. And then when you looked at that, when it was complete, you would see a picture of Jesus Christ. 
And that's because the Bible all the way through, that's what it's about, is about uh, Jesus Christ. And then uh, if somebody uh, still would not believe that the Bible is true, then I would challenge them to go anywhere on earth and find 66 books written by 40 different authors over three continents, three languages, over 1,500 years, and put them together as a jigsaw puzzle, and they'd find out those pieces do not fit because there's only one Bible, and that Bible of the 66 books is the infallible Word of God. And it's all about His Son, Jesus Christ. And so I challenge people to read it and to see what is in it. The Bible is the roadmap uh, through life. And where it says on the Bible, uh, B-I-B-L-E, I like to say that is our basic instructions before leaving earth. And if we uh, have something we're putting together and all, we like to pick it up and read the instructions. Well, the Bible that is an instruction book for us for eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the questions that I think people most often have about the Bible is, as you said, there are 40 different human authors, and we know how fallible humans are, right? Humans right. make mistakes all the time. And so if God chose 40 different humans to write the Bible, and it's written by humans— then how do we know then that it is without flaw or that it doesn't have contradictions? Well, the Bible is, uh, we have 40 different people that put it together and composed it, but it was all given through the Holy Spirit uh, so they could uh, write it. For example, if you look at Moses, the first five books of the Bible uh, is called the Pentateuch, the writings of Moses. Of course, they also call it the Torah, which is the law and so God spoke, and then it was written what he had said. Also, for example, in the New Testament, uh, Paul wrote uh, 13 books of the Bible. He didn't just make these up. These, uh, all of these uh, match up together, uh, and each one of those, uh, you can look at it and tell that it wasn't written by man because there's no contradiction with other writers, and so it's all the inspired, infallible Word of God through His Holy Spirit that He put in the minds and heart of these 40 authors to put down what uh, He told them, just like John and the others that wrote. I think that's exactly right. I, I think where, where we make the mistake in our thinking is that it was humans who authored the Bible. No, humans wrote, they penned, I liked what you said, they compiled or composed the Scriptures, but the real author is the Holy Spirit, right? Absolutely. With uh, That is for sure, 100%, that the Holy Spirit, uh, it's all about Him and listening to Him and then just penning what uh, He directs us. Doesn't Scripture say in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, it is all influenced. It is all thought of. It is all communicated. It is all pinned out by God. And he used men to do it. I heard someone say one time that God used common men to write the Bible 
so that common men may read the Bible. Absolutely. Absolutely. He takes ordinary people and he does extraordinary things. And every word of the Bible uh, came from the throne of God, and it is his word. And, and you know, speaking, speaking of how flawed humans are, and that God did use humans to write the Bible, but yet it's without error. You know, one thing that amazes me about the Bible, Joe, is that God displays so many mistakes of his people. You know, I think if I were God, and my goal in, in, in providing the scriptures was so that men and women would follow me and believe in me, I don't think I, don't think I would show any mistakes in people's lives, right? I would want to paint the rosiest picture possible. And yet sometimes scripture does the exact opposite. The King David, who was a man after God's own heart, is the same King David that committed adultery and murder all at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, his eyesight, uh, then uh, temptation, and then falling into temptation, and then trying to cover it up. And it just uh, led from one, and then it got to a worse to where that her husband was sent to the front lines uh, to be uh, murdered. So to me, I mean, that's even more evidence that the Bible is not um, tampered with by human hands. No, the Bible is breathed out by God for our instructions, just like you said, instructions before leaving earth. And one of the one of the things I really like is that you notice when Jesus picked the apostles, he didn't pick kings, he didn't pitch a pick of the the richest people around. He picked ordinary people uh, because if he had picked kings and uh, and warriors and all of this, they would be taking credit for everything that happened. But by picking ordinary man, he could do the extraordinary things through their lives. And that uh, gives the glory and the praise to our Lord and Savior. I think another reason why people doubt the validity of the Scriptures or the trustworthiness of the Word of God is because of the belief or the agenda of evolution. Scripture says in Genesis 1.1, it says the very opening of the Scriptures, in the beginning, God created. So, to doubt that, I think, uh, what, a, what, a, what a masterful deception that Satan has brought into our day through Darwin and through this whole notion that things just evolved. Joe, if you would, speak to that. How should we view this concept of evolution versus what Scripture says that God is the creator. Right. And I like to start that out by saying what Satan wants to do first is instill within each of us doubt. At, if you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when Satan was talking to Eve, what he did first was to get her to doubt that what God said to her was true. After he got her to doubt then it was easier for her to partake of the fruit and to get Adam to also partake of the fruit, uh, and then uh, sin started with doubt. What Satan tries to get us to, uh, to believe is that, number one, there's no God, so if there's no God, he couldn't have created uh, our world like it is. But you can look around 
at the creation and see the masterpiece. Uh, I like to look up at the heavens and see the clouds and the sun and the moon and all the things. And there's no way, no way that an explosion can cause something so beautiful. An explosion destroys. And God, uh, with his masterful uh, artwork and his big paintbrush just painted a beautiful earth and that could not have started uh, from a, uh, from either evolution or from an explosion. I've heard somebody said one time, he said, uh, he said, man uh, did not come from monkeys. He said, uh, man has made a monkey out of himself. And a lot of times that's what happens in life is that uh, we are become our own worst enemy and then we start thinking negative things. I'd like to use an illustration, if I may. If I uh, took my watch off, and inside of my watch, there are little small springs, there's little screws, there's all kind of little parts. And I take every single little thing, and I put them all in my hand, and I take them to the highest mountain on earth, and I cast all of these parts to my watch out into the universe. What? is the chance of all of those little particles from my watch coming together, going exactly where they're supposed to go, and then keeping perfect time. And, and that is what happens, uh, the chance of an explosion causing this. There is zero chance that that happened. Uh, the Bible uh, tells us in Genesis 1-1, as you said, and uh, it's easier to believe that the Bible is true than for an explosion to create something That's where right. that our, our bodies, that all of our organs and our bodies work together uh, and that our heart and he even gave us the oxygen to breathe. Uh, and we are made in his image to have a relationship with him it, to me, it is so much easier to believe that than to believe in evolution or an explosion. Well, and you are 100% correct, because the fact is, you're going to have faith in one or the other. Either you're going to have faith in God, that he's the creator, or you're going to believe. You're going to have faith that things were just randomly, that they just happened. Which, you know, our church building here, people often ask me how long this building has been here, and it's got a very great history in the downtown area. Um, we've, had, we've actually had um, college students who are doing research papers. They've stopped and taken pictures of our facility because, you know, they're doing research on the history of buildings in downtown. This building was built in the 1930s. And, you know, Joe, if, if people ask me, well, how long has the building been here? What in the world would people say if I looked them straight in the eye and I said, oh, well, millions of years? What are you talking about? Oh, it, well, I mean, it just happened. It just, no, that you would think I had lost my mind. You would say, Chad, no, 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 no. There was an architect there was a builder. And see, I could so easily say, you know, I've never shaken the hand of the man who designed this building, so I don't know if he exists or not. Of course he exists. How do I know? Because I see the evidence of what he created. I see the evidence of the building. 
It's the same in the design, the remarkable design. Didn't David say, Joe, in Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, what, a, what an insult to our Creator when we do not believe that He is the one who masterfully designed us. Uh, absolutely. I agree 100% with that because um, we, if we read the Bible and we pray and we study, uh, we should be able to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit within us testifying uh, that the Bible uh, is true. And I just uh, believe it with all my heart. And for those people that may say, uh, well, I just don't believe that the Bible is true. Well, I'm, uh, first question I would ask them is, well, have you read the Bible? And then if they said, no, I haven't read it, I would challenge them to read the Bible and then to come to me after they've read it and, and explain to me why they think that it's not true. But also, Joe, what would you say to someone who, you know, is very sincerely saying, yeah, I do feel like I've read it. I've read a little bit here. I've read a little bit there. And I just can't come to a place where I believe. How, what would you say to them about systematically reading the Bible? Where would you tell them to go or where would you tell them to start? Well, John's a good place to start. Uh, and... Uh, in the book of John, and I, I really uh, like James, the book of James, but uh, here's where I, where I'd tell them to go. I'd tell them to go to the book of Romans. I'd tell them to go to the 10th chapter. I'd tell them to read verse 9, verse 10, and skip to verse 13, because that's the plan of salvation, and that's what would get them to heaven. You bring up a most excellent point. The purpose of the Bible is to lead us to salvation. 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul's writing to a young Timothy, and he tells him the point of the sacred scriptures, the point of the sacred writings, is to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, see, that's so important. Is there science in the Bible? Yes. But for me, sometimes it feels like, oh, there's not enough. I would like for there to be more. Let, let me tell you another thing I was thinking about. Jesus and all of the miracles that he did on the earth that are recorded in the Bible. As we're right now, currently, we're preaching through the book of Mark. And I've often wondered, why did Jesus not teach, at least to our knowledge, at least what's recorded, why did Jesus not teach on medical things? Why didn't he explain a little more about the human body and the way it functions? And, you know, what if he had taught more on some medical issues? Uh, are there medical things in the Bible? Yes. Are there scientific things in the Bible? Yes. But not overwhelmingly. And why? Because the purpose of the Bible is to make us wise unto salvation. Jesus could have done all the medical teaching in all the world. And guess what? People will still die. And people will still face eternity. But what the Bible equips us for is life after this earth. And oh, what equipping that it does. Absolutely. And uh, you may hear somebody says, well, uh, when is he going to give us more scriptures and all of that? But uh, I don't think if we are not responsible for the small things he gives us, he will never add to that. And are we using the 
uh, materials that he gave us now uh, to magnify him and, and to be a servant to That's him. Right. And if we're not, why should he give us all of those answers when, when we're not doing the simple things? That's right. So, Joe, let me ask you this. So we've talked about uh, we've talked about why people don't believe in the Bible, perhaps because it's human authors. And we've answered that question. No, the real author is the Holy Spirit. And then we've talked about another hang-up that people have is concerning evolution. But you have to make a choice. Are you going to believe in the God of the Bible, or are you going to believe in randomness that evolution teaches? Now, lastly, Joe, I want us to talk for a moment about the archaeology of the Bible. What are proofs that archaeologists have found that they have discovered concerning the Scriptures that, again, would just show someone the validity of the Scriptures? Okay. Well, not one archaeologist has found or, or any conflict between what's been found and what's written in the Scriptures. For example, the Gospel of John uh, tells of Jesus healing the cripple at the pool of Beth, uh, Beth, uh, Bethesda. And, and in the text, when it describes this, it talks about the five porticos, which are the walkways uh, leading to the pool. And when the archaeologists found this, they found uh, the a pool was 40 feet below the ground, and it was complete, and it even had the five walkways hooked to it. And this was found in the 19th century, and uh, a long time after uh, John had written uh, this, and it was exactly to the point what was written in the Bible. And you can take uh, Jericho and the Bible, it talks about how Jericho, how the walls crumble and the directions of the, of the walls. And when it was excavated, uh, it was found that the walls tumble in the exact manner described uh, in the biblical narrative of that. Also, the Bible talked about the Hittites uh, and that they didn't exist. But uh, at the University of Chicago, uh, they uh, study about that, and they found that there was a, a Hittite uh, civilization, and it was exactly in alignment with uh, the Bible. And, and also uh, the city of Petra, which is in Jordan, uh, when uh, they found it, and it was discovered in 1812, and it was exactly uh, in alignment uh, with the Bible. The pool of Siloam that was talked about in the Bible uh, and the year 2005, uh, that was discovered and it was exactly like it was mentioned in the Bible. And also uh, the uh, accuracy of today's Old Testament was confirmed in 1947 when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, and they were found on the west uh, bank uh, in Israel. And the Dead Sea Scrolls contain Old Testament scriptures dating thousands of years older than the manuscripts that we had. That was exactly uh, in a alignment with the scriptures. And there has been uh, around, in the Bible, I was um, read that there are about 2,500 prophecies in the Bible. 
and around 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled, and they were fulfilled exactly like it was foretold in the Bible. That's strong. Also, uh, if you look in the book of Joshua, which is the sixth book uh, of the Old Testament, uh, and it talks about when Joshua sent the uh, two spies over to Jericho, and they went to the house of a, a harlot named Rahab. And then, uh, and then if you advance from the Old Testament there, from the sixth book of the Old Testament, go to the first uh, book of the New Testament, Matthew, and then look at Matthew first chapter, fifth verse, and this is listed in genealogy, and, and the fifth verse is talked about that Salmon uh, and uh, Rahab and then their, uh, who their uh, offsprings are. And it goes all the way down to uh, King David uh, and, and all the way down to Jesus Christ. But the point is Matthew 1, 5, where it says Salmon there, uh, when in the book of Joshua, the two spies that went in, we know that one of those spies was named Salmon. The other one, we still don't know the name of who it was. But one of those spies married Rahab, uh, and then it was brought forth from Joshua to Matthew. And also how the Bible ties in, you can find uh, about Rahab in Psalms 87 and 89. You can look in Isaiah chapter 51. You can go to Hebrews chapter 11. You can go to James chapter 2. And all of these different scriptures ties in to prove uh, the truth of the gospel. Well, Joe, that is just fantastic uh, evidence. It's fantastic teaching. It's fantastic conversation that you've shared with us today, and I thank you deeply for it. Uh, Friends, I want to talk to you right now for just a moment because as uh, Joe was talking about archaeology and what proofs there are, what evidences there are concerning the Scriptures in our day, my mind just went to Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And when John Mark penned his gospel, it's very interesting the words that he used. Verse 1 says, The beginning of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I love that word beginning because it's actually in the Greek, it is arche. It's where we get our English word archaeology. Isn't that interesting? And as Joe was sharing those amazing evidences for Scripture, my mind just began to go to people who are listening right now that perhaps you have been digging. Perhaps that's why you're listening to this podcast. Perhaps God has been drawing you, and you're not sure what to do with it. You're not sure quite yet what to think, let alone what to believe. But let me tell you what the Lord is doing. The Lord is calling you to His gospel. You know what the word gospel means? It means good news. And why is the gospel such good news? Because sin is death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death is such a calamity. Sin is such a calamity that we die a natural death as well as a spiritual death. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that He forgives our sins, and He gives us eternal life. Well, you know what? Many of you right now, you're in the beginnings of this. 
And that's why you're listening to a podcast about the reliability of God's word. Well, I want to encourage you, my friend, you keep on digging. I want to encourage you that you keep on getting your hands and your mind and your heart around the truth of Jesus Christ, because it is not a church that will save you. It is not a denomination that will save you. It is not a religion that will save you. It is not a system of beliefs or any type of behavior that will ultimately save your soul. What is the only thing that will save you? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, that and that alone. And that's why of all the religions in all the world, nothing can introduce you to Jesus except the gospel. That's because, friends, it's his gospel. And where do you learn his gospel? In his word. That's why the scriptures matter. They will make you wise unto salvation. So, Joe, I'm going to ask you today, Will you pray for those who are listening? Will you pray for our audience right now? Absolutely. Thank you. And let me take the opportunity to say thank you for allowing me to be part of this uh, podcast. And then uh, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for all the blessings, all the opportunities of life that you give us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that came to this earth and he died. He wasn't held on the cross by the nails. He was held on the cross by the love that he has for each and every one of us. And I strongly believe that everyone that's listening uh, to my voice now, they're not here by accident, but that you pre-line this up so that they will hear the word and some people may be having a hang-up of whether or not uh, that you exist, whether or not that the Bible is true, whether or not Jesus came to earth as our Lord and Savior, whether or not the Holy Spirit uh, is true. And Father, I asked you to reach down as the uh, lady uh, with the blood disease that reached and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. I asked you to touch them and to witness to them the truthfulness of your word that, Father, that, uh, that they will accept you, that they will make a commitment to read your word, to know more about you, because the closer they are to you, the bigger God you are back to them. And if we have strayed, it's... And it's because that we have gone astray, not because you, because you will always be with us and you will always protect us. And Father, I just uh, asked you to uh, be with the, uh, each one. And if the, the problems, addictions of life, whatever the issues of life they've got, if they haven't settled it with you and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, uh, Brothers and sisters, all you have to do is just to let God know. Just say a prayer and, and tell God that you believe in Him. But there's something more than just believing. Believing is the first step. Accepting is the second step. Because Satan and the demons believe, but they don't accept. And they can't now. But you can. 
You can believe and then you can accept and you can receive the Holy Spirit uh, inside of you. And then, uh, see, each of us, when we're saved, uh, the church is in us, the temple. Our bodies become the temple. And when you ask God to forgive you and you mean it from your uh, heart uh, and you confess it with your lips, as in Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it, and then 13, it explains to you word by word. But all you got to do is to say, God, I'm a sinner, and I don't want to be where I am. See, God will accept you exactly where you are, and then, uh, then let Him plant that spirituality in you, and then listen to the Spirit, and He will grow you in the direction that He wants you to grow. But then also to find a Bible-believing church that you can go to. Find people that are Christians that you can go to when you need support that will talk to you and support you. Uh, seek out spiritual literature to read. And remember that uh, if you've got bad habits and you're with bad friends, find new friends that have uh, a belief in God and and. Things will be different in your life. You you will have problems in life. Everybody does. But just like the Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea. He didn't do away with the Red Sea, but He made a way through the Red Sea. And He will make a way for each and every one of you to go through your problems and through this life. And He will be with you. It's a promise. And please pick up your Bible. Or if you don't have one, please go and get one. Uh, and start reading. The book of John is a good place to read. I, one of my favorite books is the uh, book of James. And just accept Jesus and accept Him on faith. It's not about feelings. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. And then live for Him. And you will be so glad that you made that choice. And Father, just... Uh, Bless these people. Give them the material they need. Give them friends to come in their lives that will help change their lives and serve you. Uh, ask this in the sweetest name, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcast, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.